0: welcome to another episode of another film podcast my name is Tierney
1: my name is Colin my name is Matt
0: and this week we are discussing once upon a time today (laughs) once upon a time in Hollywood today
2: today once upon a time earlier today in Hollywood Matt watched the movie once upon, upon a time, time, and time. in
1: Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Very man. meta. We did it though. We wa- we watched it. and We're talking about it. this. Is I think only the second Tarantino movie we've done. Is that right? I think that that's true. What was true. the first? Uh, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Oh right. But yeah. Another departure from his main oeuvre. oeuvre I would say. Uh,
2: yeah. And this is also tyranny. The last we're going through the last round of this year's yeah, festival. Uh-huh. So this is so... Tierney's last pick
0: the festival was built around Itanya, as we've discussed but this was a quick like it was pretty soon after i decided on the topic that i was like once upon a time in hollywood's gonna have to be in there because i did listen to this soundtrack entirely in the summer of 2019 it was like all i did summer and fall (laughs) um (laughs) to the point where it's like the spotify wrapped was like a lot of songs from the soundtrack um i actually meant to go back and look and see what some of the most played ones were but uh we i can do that as we go here Uh, i was gonna say we'll
2: we'll investigate live
0: (laughs) i uh first saw this movie at bay the music Mm. box um on my birthday oh bless
2: it's always so fun when tarantino like blesses us uh with birthday gifts of new movies
0: i know Um, And I went with my sister. Uh, she invited me as a birthday present. Uh, and I remember being like, this is really fun. And I was like, it's really different than his other movies. And I remember we also both walked out and we were like, that was a lot more violent than <laughs> his other movies. Even though like in Kill Bill, she literally kills
2: 88 people. I think at a minimum, yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, just one part of the movie. Is when she's killing Ada. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so uh, <clears throat> I think I think it just has to do with th- which we can talk about later. Is the type of violence in mm-hmm. this, um, and then, um, yeah, I remember being like, "That was fun." Uh, definitely not my favorite Tarantino. Um, different than his other ones. Watching it again this time, I. Didn't love it, and I mm. remember uh, it's a lot of the same stuff that I didn't really know what to make of the first time. Really annoyed me the second time. <laughs> so it's like I didn't really know what to do with this the first time, and now I just don't want to see it. <laughs> uh, so I definitely have it's a it's a real mixed bag um, for this. I also will say that his movies typically have really good soundtracks since that's the reason this was picked however i don't care for the way he packages them Mm -hmm. in some some movies it's fun because he'll use like audio clips from the movie and that will be like a transition track but in this one there's like so many fake advertisements that i couldn't listen to just the soundtrack album because there's like fake suntan lotion Mm-hmm. advertisements which is why when this was called KHJ I knew what that was because I've heard it so many times yeah. <laughs> to where I'm like just give me the tracks that's all I want anyway only the hits um, yeah. but that's kind of the gist is like I thought it was fun the first time I saw it and this time I uh, didn't care for some big chunks of it
2: <laughs> wow damn Interesting.
0: That's I told you guys I was going to have hot takes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Matt, why don't you go next? Based okay. on what I remember of your takes on this movie the first time around.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Um, so I also saw this movie in July or August of 2019. I saw it at the appropriately named Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon. Mm. Uh, and, um, was pretty lukewarm on it. Uh, it was just kind of like, okay, sure, almost three hours for what? For like, what are, what are we doing besides like hanging out, a lot of like misdirects, a lot of just slow burn acting scenes, especially for Leonardo DiCaprio who like isn't given much besides like performing in a movie. Um, so yeah, first time around was kind of like, okay, sure. Not my favorite Tarantino by a mile. I rewatched it for a second time during the pandemic when I was in quarantine. I just watched it one day at home and was like, I think like doing other stuff at the same time. But remember being like, all right, yeah, it's a fun hang. Sure, whatever. Um, today I watched it for the third time and i think i like it more than either the previous times and i noticed particular things that i really appreciated this time around uh that were like very small touches or details or suggestions that tarantino makes that uh made the (laughs) experience a lot more interesting for me so i am interested in talking about this movie because there's stuff that i think uh I can really appreciate now kind of knowing what I'm getting into. Uh instead of the first time around where I was like, what is this? This doesn't <laughs> even feel like a Tarantino movie. Um Yeah, so that's my relationship with it. It changed. This this viewing did change my opinion. So I'm interested to hit a middle ground between Tierney's <laughs> move away and my moving closer to it. <laughs> Uh,
2: so I also saw this movie in theaters Um, the theater that I work at had a uh, two-week 35 millimeter engagement and so for my birthday which is a few days after Tierney's birthday my sister brother-in-law and I all went and saw it in 35 Um, I'm pretty good friends with a projectionist so I was able to like take a look at the film reels before like when he was just like getting everything ready like he invited me up to the booth and we were just like playing around with the film strips which was pretty dope um he played like a couple sec, so like i saw like some snippets of from the first reel before i saw the full movie um Mm. but i think like i i think i was primed for it in a way that matt sounds like maybe you weren't um based on just like poking around a little bit um and so when I saw it, I, I I agree that it's like, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is unlike Tarantino. Like, there there's a lot of stuff in here that is unlike his other films. And I still think that that's true, but it didn't necessarily bother me because I was just like, I am vibing with this so hard <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, I will watch a five hour, like if, if, if Quentin Tarantino wants to do like a 10 hour Netflix version of this story, like I will watch all 10 hours happily. Uh, because I just think that like to me, this was just like pure vibes. Um, and like, I didn't necessarily care about the story in a way that I do for most of his other movies. Um, I was just like, yeah, these are characters that I want to hang out with. This is a place that like, I, at the time, had never been to L.A., but I was like, this version of L.A. is, like, the ideal to me. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, like, that, like, 1960s, you know, late 60s, early 70s, like, that's, like, the platonic ideal of Los Angeles. And so, like, the attention to detail in the production design to, like, fully break, like, make you feel like this, like, you, you were just dropped in, like, you just went back in time and you were just, like, there worked so well for me that I didn't care that there it definitely feels <clears throat> I don't know if like emptier is not quite the word I'm looking for but it definitely feels less than some of his other films
1: the stakes are nowhere Exactly really.
2: right uh yeah. but again it like I was just like oh yeah I'm ready I will like I will hang out on this ride so like let's fucking go So I really liked it the first time around I this was only watching it for the uh, for the pod was only the second time I've watched it in full, but um, for a while it was like in heavy rotation on the various movie channels, and so like whenever I would be hanging out at my sister's house, I would just be like channel surfing, and like if this movie was on one of the channels, I would just like jump in, and so like I saw several different segments of this movie, Um, and I think that there's like this. You know, his movies are usually, like, very segmented, like, often by design. Like, they're broken out into chapters, all the, like, almost always. Um, and so, this one is very vignette-y. Like, there's, like, like the whole Sharon Tate thing, where she's just, like, having a day in L.A. is just, like, kind of like a like a little vignette part of this movie. And so, like, I would just pop in and be like, oh, it's about to be... You know, the the Bruce Lee fight sequence. I'll just watch that, and then we'll go do whatever else we're doing. So I think there's a lot of stuff that I found, like, I will just, like, pop in and out and enjoy, like, little moments. And so it's always been, like, in my mind. And then I rewatched it again, and I was like, oh, yeah, I still dig this. So I agree that I don't – it's not, like, my favorite Tarantino, but I do think that I, I – like, I really like this one a lot, and I think that – because it's just like a fun hang for almost the entire runtime. And then it gets like really gnarly at the end. Uh, I, I think that this is probably one that I will revisit more than many
1: of his other movies.
2: Mm. So mm.
1: <clears throat> that's it. That's it. That's our relationship with this movie. We've all seen this movie.
0: Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. I do think that the vibes are immaculate. And I don't want my criticisms of the movie to knock that because this is extremely my vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, 70s, late 60s, early 70s, especially in California. And then yeah. every song included is extremely my vibe. The mamas and papas are on there like three times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paul Revere. I think Hell that's his yeah. name. He's yeah, on there Paul. a bunch of times, They're, and like Neil, like these are all, I was, this. I'm not kidding, I've listened to this album for ages. I think that carried me through the first time I saw it, but I think there are a lot, I have a lot of issues with plot, really, for the set, plot and writing, um, specifically the second time, if we want to jump into that. Um,
2: yeah, I mean... Sure,
0: (laughs) And this is, some of it will be similar notes to what, because I was like, I kind of am picking up, I'm feeling similarly to the way that I would feel watching a Wes Anderson movie the last couple years. And it's like, if you close your eyes and watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, every single person's dialogue sounds like Quentin Tarantino. And... Mm -hmm. It can happen with Wes Anderson movies, too, to where it's like, you're not writing what the character's saying, you're writing what you want to say, which, ideally, those can both, like, you know, it's the middle of the Venn diagram, but I want to I be able to close my eyes and not see the writer saying these things. I want to close my eyes and see the mm-hmm. character saying, so it's, like, mm-hmm. not a knock on the <clears throat> performances. It's just, like, the words they were given was just, like, straight Tarantino, and it was, yeah. like, really distracting. <laughs> and then the, uh, my, my suggestion to what would make, because right now it's essentially two movies. One movie. Kind is, of
1: three almost.
0: Yeah, that's where I was like, I don't know how to, where to draw the line. But one movie would be very compelling. And if it's Cliff and The Hippies. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And then you'd end up with, like, the Sharon Tate cutaways and stuff. But, like, realistically, what does the Leonardo DiCaprio character add other than backdrop? And I started to notice it because anything with him is when you need the heavy lift of the voiceover narration. You don't need voiceover narration when it's Cliff and the hippies because we all know what's going on. But then it's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm going to introduce Leo and now I have to like bring you up to speed. And it's like, why don't you just tell a different story (laughs) and leave Leo out of it? He doesn't really add much.
2: I do. It's also not
0: the best Leo performance. His own accent kept coming through. And I was like, I feel like I'm being really critical. But I was like, (laughs) it was so distracting because you want more time with Cliff. In the hippies, like the scene at Spawn Ranch, is the best scene in the movie.
1: I, I and do we remember more. When I, when but it's all for nothing anyway.
0: I know, but it's like more compelling than any scene with Leo. What's Leo Leo's character's name? Richard
2: Rick. Rick he's Rick fucking Rick Dalton.
0: Dalton. I'm just, I just don't care. Is really what it is. Anytime he talks, I don't give a shit like wow. at interesting all. <laughs> i mean it didn't really the first time i thought but the other stuff was compelling enough for me to forget <laughs> about it but this time i'm just like shut the fuck up <laughs> wow there's also a lot of toxic masculinity in this movie and i don't care for that
2: i mean hi it's a quentin
1: tarantino movie but i feel like there's so many feet
0: (laughs) so many
1: feet maybe the most feet per capita or whatever (laughs) like per movie yeah feet all over the place wall to wall literally edge to edge on the street
0: some of the freakiest ones i've ever seen like (laughs) that one girl the i think her name's like squeaky in the house at spawn ranch her feet look yeah. like gloves i was like oh
1: <laughs> wait isn't squeaky dakota fanning dakota fanning yeah oh i didn't know that yeah <laughs> yeah and uh it's a, that spawn ranch is filled with hollywood ladies um, yeah
2: i had forgotten that our girl sydney sweeney was in this yep. uh so that was fun second time this season uh surprise sydney sweeney <laughs> just showed up in a movie <laughs> what else was she in under the silver lake Oh that's right. Yeah. Um and uh Lena Dunham is there. Fucking Austin oh, Butler
1: yeah. is there. Austin Butler <laughs> Elvis. Um, oh, but me. yeah.
2: I remember yeah, uh the or Tex. The first time I saw the movie there's the scene where Cliff picks up uh Margaret Qualley's character Pussycat I think. Uh, and she just, like, gets in the car and just, like, immediately puts her feet up on the dashboard and presses them into the windshield. And, like, the way that it's framed, you just see her, like, the bottom of her disgusting feet. And I was like, okay, Quentin, like, we fucking get it, man. <laughs> but, like... why,
1: are why are Sharon Tate's feet dirty? Why does everyone I'm... have filthy feet in Okay, this? have you never worn sandals? I mean, I don't know. Those are so dirty. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, grew Sharon up barefoot. Tate.
0: But anyway, I just, I also felt like, really, Brad Pitt was the only one who, like, wasn't overacting at some parts. Guys, maybe I hated this movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, where is this coming from? I really came in ready to, like, also, dig deep.
0: Also, Colin's note on I, Tanya, that the movie takes away from the story, or the music takes away from the story, was very much this to where it's it's like too much Mm
2: -hmm. i see i i i see what you're saying and i i personally don't agree but i i can i could see why a person might think that but to me especially and i know you mentioned like the khj um like ads and, and stuff and like the voiceover from like the djs and things like that uh to me that just made me even more invested in the world because I was just like yeah these characters are driving around Hollywood in their cars and they're listening they're all listening to the same radio station so like it just helped establish again the vibes that I think Quentin was really going for and so I I see what you're saying but for me it didn't bother me because it just helped draw me in even further and like when I'm listening to the soundtrack which I did literally all day today at work I don't skip over like the yeah, ads do. Because, like, I I don't listen to the radio, like, IRL. Like, I truly can't remember the last time I listened to the radio in my car or anywhere. Um, But, like, for some reason when I'm just, like, okay, I'm trying to vibe with late 60s, early 70s, like, listening to the radio is, like, how I would have listened to music, right? Like, that's just what I... Mm -hmm. Spotify and shit didn't exist. Well, yeah, I mean, but, like, you can't bring a record player with you in the car. (laughs) So it's, like if you're spending all of your time driving around, which you are because you live in LA and what the fuck else do you do? Uh, you're going to be listening to the radio. And so I think to me, it really helps set the mood. And so whenever there was like the radio stuff, even it's like, Oh man, I wish I could get a full version of this song, but we only hear part of it. It's like, yeah, that feels right. Cause sometimes you turn on your car and it's just in the middle of a song and you're just like, all right, well, I guess I'll have to wait around till the next time.
0: Yeah. I think, so. I think part of, I'm realizing it now. I think part of the less, like the diminished appeal of this movie is that since this came out, we had a similar era vibe movie that was about an era. was a story that took place in an era as opposed to a story about an event, which is what this is. And that was licorice pizza to where I felt entirely immersed in the time period. And Like the vibes were immaculate, but it's just a better story and a better movie. And I think now knowing what can be done makes this fall so much shorter from it. So (laughs) it's my, I think that's my conclusion.
2: (laughs) I feel very similarly about licorice pizza. To the point where like I'm going Like when we get done recording I'm going to be watching licorice P- Like I would have watched it last night after Once Upon a Time Got done but I watched it Too late and I was like I can't watch another Two hour movie right now
0: And I almost pick licorice pizza for This category but I was like I did listen To Once Upon a Time in Hollywood More because there was also Music I didn't know in this but also Yeah like, and we
1: already did licorice pizza on this Podcast
0: oh yeah we did <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Forgot <laughs> I don't know, but like 60s, 70s vibes is also me just plugging in my phone, so that's where I don't need the commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Does listener know about when I almost had a mental breakdown in January because I didn't realize that Norma, Norma Tanega was from the 70s (laughs) or Melanie? (laughs) What? Was that, I it was talking with you guys right when yeah, I didn't realize that was... Melanie was from the 70s and you played one song and said how the fuck didn't you know to <laughs> me
1: oh, right. I just don't know who that is anyway
0: uh, she sings walking my cat named dog yep, no
1: clue this is just like what happened with that TV show that you guys referenced I was like, we were never talking heard of about I, life. Claudius and you were just yeah. Like... the fuck is this <laughs> I refuse to believe that I'm the one who's missing out on this entire thing <laughs> M-
2: Melanie was huge Melanie had to have other songs than i'm than the one you just mentioned. Oh walking Let's... my
0: cat Named dog is not melanie that's norma Tadega, oh, okay. or however you say it. her big one is brand new key I think is her most popular mm that's right any guy is another one um but To our listeners, Spotify recommended me these songs, and I listened to them thinking that they were contemporary artists releasing 70s-like music. And then my (laughs) sister sent me another one, and I said, oh, this sounds very, like, late 60s, early 70s. And she goes, that makes sense, because that's when she released it. And I said, what? (laughs) 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 And then I proceeded to not know what was real. And what wasn't. And <laughs> <laughs> realized that several artists that I thought were contemporary were just from the 70s. Anyway. A I time think, machine. A girl is crushing that, it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of just now knowing that it can be done so much better it makes me meh on this. But anyway. I mean.
1: Yeah, Brett I don't. Pitt
0: is, it's his only role I've ever been like wow he's attractive
1: (laughs) which is nuts you're absolutely out of your mind (laughs) what this is him at his peak like or at least being honored as this like yeah remember everybody it's brad pitt but he's always hot brad pitt has always been hot
0: not i I thought so but this movie i was like when he's on that roof i was like
2: i get it It's an iconic shot. That's sh- yeah, the shot of him just like taking his shirt off. I remember like when this movie first came out, like many
1: things online were like, "Oh yeah, Brad Pitt still got it." It's a it's a shock moment. It's you're like it takes your breath away. You're like, oh, <laughs> he's so hot in that scene on that roof, popping that shirt right off, parkouring up to the roof. That was so mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> he's never been hotter. But man, um, what
0: were your like easter egg stuff maybe you can I, pull us out of this pit of despair
1: i was gonna say we're Here's spiraling I'm gonna, say. So. <laughs>
2: I'm
1: gonna i'm gonna kind of structure my notes and conversation around the idea of once upon a time mm-hmm. and looking at this movie as a fairy tale mm-hmm. um and a fairy tale that is that is like a fucking 70s movie where it's just like chilling with these characters but like Particularly the character of Sharon Tate being this princess royalty, uh, and the kind of difference between the knights uh, in that for the first kind of like major act of the movie, which is like, you know, Rick is home and rehearsing his lines, and you don't entirely know if he's rehearsing his new lines for the next day or like revisiting old recordings or something, but he's rehearsing his lines, but he's staying in, uh, Cliff. Goes off to his trailer park in Van Nuys and just sits down with some instant ramen and watches some TV. Oh, okay. It's Kraft mac and cheese. Give him like
2: it's not instant well, ramen. Okay, fine. That's
1: <laughs> it looks like instant ramen when he has a little packet. But uh, and feeds uh Brandy our girl Brandy. Oh, love Brandy. And then to cut it to show that you know who's not staying in? Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. But like Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Out in the town, they're going to the Playboy Mansion, and Sharon's character, at least in that scene, and then later when she sees herself in the movie, only travels between like mansions and palaces, like true royalty, like the Playboy Mansion, a movie palace. You know, she's she's this very like royal height of her career Hollywood celebrity, and not her like she's still up and coming too, but she is like in the shit she's like on her way up and i think that and comparing that to kind of rick's sunset and how he's just playing the bad guy he's like known as the bad guy now and getting knocked out and is having those second thoughts about like is this actually good for my career what should i be doing um and Brad Pitt, who I do, I think talking about like his character killing his wife, I think is like a major mm-hmm. point that rubbed me weird the first time, and I never really feel great about it anytime. Mm-hmm. But I think like he is this white knight. He's like this like, you know, pauper, like hero that eventually we get at the end. But there's all these kind of like fairy tale elements, uh, even the flamethrower Betty is this almost like, you know, legendary weapon. It's this like weirdly important setup that you see in like the shed when, uh, when Cliff goes to get the tools and you just see this flamethrower like resting there and you're like, oh, okay. He kept a souvenir <laughs> from that movie. Um, but I think like in the end, they save the day. Like they stop the witches or the dragon or whatever they represent they save the princess the gates literally open and rick is welcomed into the kingdom to be like oh you are one of our greatest you come up and now his career is going to be revitalized which likely means that cliff and him will be able to continue working together sharon tate is alive and can as is hinted have a career (laughs) can have a career and as as hinted in um in the conversation with steve mcqueen at the playboy mansion where he's like you know one of these days that polish director is gonna fuck up and jay will be there to swoop in so there's even a suggestion that like in this alternate reality not only does sharon tate live but then she eventually separates or divorces roman polanski if he fucks up and does what he did in reality which is i think is interesting to kind of throw that suggestion in that like this doesn't necessarily change that Mm -hmm. like his choice is not erased because we're doing this revisionist history. But in any case that like Jay eventually stays with her. Jay doesn't die. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, all the differences that are now suggested by that. And the idea that like hippies didn't commit this kind of culture shock murder. And maybe culture goes a different direction from this, which I think, That's what a lot of the early, like, reviews and stuff talked about was, like, what is the suggestion at the end of this? In the same way that, like, killing Hitler at the end of *Inglorious Bastards is, like, what does this mean? What would happen in a reality where this happened? And I think, like, Sharon Tate not dying in this grisly mass murder maybe changes the direction. Maybe it's a happier ending. Uh, For Rick, for Sharon, for Cliff... um, so I think that like, looking at it as this kind of fairy tale, or even like the suspense of going to the spawn ranch and having this just like cult kind of like congregating and like intimidating, feels very much like you know this like little journey that this white knight Cliff Booth goes on to like like literally a western. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know fairy tale aspect like that, and then also just the idea of like. Uh, spawn being this ver- this uh, representation of the Western being overrun by the counterculture. Mm-hmm. Like, this ranch that was once the set of all these Westerns when it was popular in Hollywood is overrun by hippies, just like everything. Just like uh, Rick's character is suddenly going to be in hippie fringe and, like, have a big unrecognizable mustache. All these kind of counterculture versus mainstream conflicts that come to a head as this kind of like insane alternate scene uh that night on cielo drive Uh, i appreciated that in a way that i hadn't in previous watches of just kind of enjoying sitting with these characters and contemplating yeah like you know rick's stakes are that his career is down the tubes Mm -hmm. and like he doesn't know what to do and it's a small like it's small stakes for everyone else but to him it's like it is life or death like he threatens to kill himself if he doesn't get the take right um and i think it's moments like that that i did appreciate about leonardo dicaprio's performance in this when you said it wasn't your favorite uh i think there's like obviously better performances but i think it's also an interesting leonardo dicaprio specific Mm -hmm. performance Mm -hmm. because it's like it made me think, oh yeah, you were like this cute little twink in Titanic. <laughs> and then you were like you were like this like rough and tumble guy, like mercenary in Blood Diamond, and now you've played villains in Django Unchained and like you know, he he's I think now established himself as this really like uh powerhouse actor. But he was like a heartthrob to begin with, which I think is a really interesting kind of like career shift. And I always say this about Matt Damon where I'm like, I wish, like I prefer Matt Damon in comedic roles. But Leonardo DiCaprio, I think is also very funny where him, you know, being so melodramatic and being this just like, oh, I can't do it anymore. I fucking hate myself. And then be like, oh, I feel better. It's okay. Like is what a celebrity of his status and his, Kind of career would act like a baby, a helpless little pool, like him in that flotation chair with those big dumb headphones and his radio, just like <laughs> having fun in the backyard. Is so goofy. He's just this like kind of dunce, uh, but he's very sweet, and like ultimately, you know, you you're rooting for him to have a better career.
0: I um, don't know that I just wanted him to go away in this watch, if I'm honest. I wanted him to be like the president in Veep, which is just like there, but we never meet him. I think that would have been much funnier to have it just be Cliff, who's like, I have to go, my boss, my boss, my boss, my boss, my boss. And like, (laughs) maybe at the end you meet him, and that's Leo. But I also feel like he's done a lot of roles, but I feel like he's at least not recently he doesn't melt into roles very well where you're like that is leo playing i agree with that
1: this Mm -hmm. person i feel i feel very much the same way about leonardo dicaprio where i think that's kind of the point of where i was reminded of his career not like in some movies where i'm like oh i forgot this is i don't know daniel
0: day lewis swinton
1: (laughs) oh yeah daniel day lewis you know um but yeah that kind of like oh you're so convincingly authentic in this moment in this role that i don't see you as an actor i think leonardo DiCaprio always has an air of being an actor but i do think his skill is what we see in when he's fucking up the takes of kind of this quick back and forth between these like ah, uh, fuck, I fucked it up. Okay, hold on. No, I got it, I got it. And, like, these little weird facial movements and then locking right back into character and being totally serious as this villain. I think he can play that really well of this kind of, like, immediate shift in emotions. Uh, and, yeah, and the trailer, I do think, is, like, one of the funniest scenes in the movie where he's just, like, throwing a fit that he's forgetting these lines and he's like, you can only remember the lines and it makes it look like you didn't practice the lines, but you did practice the lines. <laughs> <laughs> He's just such like a little It's <laughs> I think he's very funny.
2: I Well, I was just gonna say, I I don't think that this is his best performance, but I do think this is a really good performance. I think there's a lot of stuff in this movie that he does. Like I think the when he first meets um Al Pacino's character, Schwartz. Schwartz, no mm-hmm. T. Schwartz. <laughs> <Schwarz. laughs> and he's just like Awkward and bumbling. Um, And it's not something that you see from Leonardo DiCaprio very often. But he's, like, tripping over his words. He's, like, clearly, like, nervous about this meeting that's about to happen. Um, So, I like, I I think that I found him a very compelling character. Because, like like you said, Matt, throughout the entire thing, I'm just like, oh, I want the best for you. Like, I want things to, like, to be better for you. And so I was i I really liked him i do th- I think Brad Pitt is the standout performance from this movie, but I do think that Leo is really good as well. I also think like I think it's unfair that this movie was marketed as like a three hander between Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie because it's really a two hander with a little bit of Margot Robbie thrown in. I mean, like she really doesn't have that much to do in this movie. And I think she's good with what she's given. And like the scenes where she is watching her movie and like the crowd is reacting to her pratfalls and like her, like, and she's just like so happy that she gets to experience that. And that it's like the thing that she wants to do. Her dream is like coming true. Um, I think she plays those moments really, really, really well, but it's just, there's just so little for her as a character. Like, it really is the Rick and Cliff show with, like, a a side bonus of some Sharon.
1: Yeah, and there was a lot of stuff that was, like, once upon a time in Hollywood finally humanizes Sharon Tate, and I'm like, ah, (laughs) I still think it deifies her pretty Mm -hmm. much the whole time. Like... We get a scene of her going to a bookstore and saying an obscure title and having him be like, oh, now that's real books. And she's like, I loved it. And you're like, okay, she's, like, well-read. She's not just a pretty face. She, like, you know, read and had a life. But, I mean, most of the time you see her at the Playboy Mansion dancing and at home packing luggage and watching herself in movies. So, like, it doesn't really give her more than... Like, wasn't Sharon Tate great? Which, is like, yeah, convincing, I'm convinced that she was, like, a, a total loss. Like, what a sad, uh, abrupt end to somebody who had so much potential. But, yeah, it doesn't give her much more than that. It's just, like, she's there. Mm-hmm. She's around. She's having her day and picking up hitchhikers. She's
0: got the best taste in music in this movie, though. That's sure. for damn sure. i think part of you guys have kind of touched on this uh and i think it's it was something i was conscious of watching it and i'm now realizing i think i'm probably more it rubbed me the wrong way more than i thought is like you have stuff like like that trailer scene with leo i don't find funny uh i find it stupid and like (laughs) uh (laughs) annoying that a grown man is throwing a bitch fit when he is literally living the life. And I know that's the way that it actually is, but it's like that sort of, I feel like, I feel like this movie enables that behavior more than it criticizes it, if that makes sense. So stuff like Mm, the fact that we throw in cliff killing, assuming Natalie Wood with a spear gun, Natalie like, Wood's
1: sister, maybe, or oh, something
0: he calls her Natalie,
1: no, she says, my sister Natalie told me oh. I married a total loser, oh. but the suggest but the circumstances are certainly they certainly mirror Natalie Wood, so that is the right person to mm-hmm. be thinking of,
0: but like the fact that that's thrown in is like a cutaway, and then like it just I feel like this was probably the most offensive the fact that. Sharon Tate has like four lines and is barely in the movie but is like this is a movie entirely about her supposedly it was like this is probably the most like or the least feminine, feminist movie out of all of his movies so like yes there's toxic masculinity in all of his movies but this one felt like especially so to where it's like at least in Kill Bill it's a woman <laughs> As the protagonist. Like, I right. feel like there weren't many bones thrown to women in this movie.
1: Like, I think that's fair. any at all. I also I thought Francesca was, was self-sufficient.
0: Yeah, but then at the same time, it was like, and that's where, like, the writing comes in. Is like, you mean to tell me she kills somebody and swears in English? And then when it comes time to do an interview, she's speaking Italian like sure would you not swear after killing somebody in your mother tongue but but i think she's also
1: making sure they hear what she's saying she's swearing at the person that she's attacking
0: doesn't she kill him
1: emotional i think i think cliff kills all of them except for the one in the pool
0: oh but i was just like i don't this just seems like tarantino wanted someone to say motherfucker, and not what it actually would be in that situation But no, I like Francesca, um, but I don't know. It just, I was like, this makes me uncomfy. And it's coming from somebody who, like, I enjoy the Kill Bill movies. And that's where, like, we can get to the violence part later, but um, it just, I was like, come on, man. And the fact that Roman Polanski is a pedophile... And drugged and raped a thirteen year old girl, and that's just not mentioned anywhere in this movie because
1: it didn't happen yet. Though.
0: I know, but it's like you can't have all of this stuff in the movie and then not say anything about any of it. If that makes any sense,
1: I do. I think I do understand what you're saying there. I think the Roman Polanski stuff is exactly what's suggested by the Steve Wynn right. character of like mm-hmm. one day he's I gonna agree. fuck it up. So like that's the most you can do when it hasn't happened yet, and. This doesn't necessarily suggest that like yeah like I was saying like Sharon Tate's survival would have changed the direction of that bad decision uh of that crime but like this is this is a different time I of Owen Polanski's profile so it feels weird to be like what, what comment I mean but I think also like uh, that's about that particular thing but I think the fact that Margaret Qualley is not legal and that right. that that kind of like, Oh, but Brad Pitt's a good guy. Cause he's not gonna do anything with her is like, I'm not entirely sure what the purpose of it is, but it does put her in a position where she's certainly the one who is making moves on him. Uh, all the women taking advantage of, uh, spawn mm-hmm. is a little like, but that's, I mean, like that was the demographics of like the Manson family though, I think was like primary. Right. Women. Um, But, like, I mean, yeah, Cliff killing his wife. There's a lot of, like, women.
0: Even the producer on set who's like, oh, my wife doesn't want to do that. And then he doesn't listen to his wife. And his wife's like, I don't want you on set because you killed a guy. And then the producer's like, okay, you can stay on set. And then he throws the Kato. Bruce Lee. Oh, I thought he had a different name in the movie
1: kato is his character and okay green hornet, green hornet yeah
0: uh, okay um and he throws him into her car and then like she's the one that gets pissed off and everyone else is just like oh my wife said you have to leave
1: right but i think that's also like a commentary on how these dumb men are yeah. like all machismo and she is logical we're like when she's like get the fuck out of here like look at you fucked up my car and you're like hurt you're in a fight with our lead are you crazy she is lot like not, nothing she says seems like uh she's also a
2: like real she... life stunt double yeah oh, i mean she's the she's the lead in death proof or one of the leads I think, in death proof. yeah and i think oh. she was
0: uma thurman's she's her, bill, uma Thurman's she?
2: stunt double in kill bill oh cool and then she was an actual like yeah, she was acting, not just being a stunt double in Death Proof. So she's the one who's like riding the car, like I on the hood, like on the hood of the car throughout the whole sequence.
1: Yeah, that's cool. But I, I do think it's funny that at the end of that sequence, Cliff goes, "Fair enough." Like he uh, he acknowledges that he was the wrong one in that situation, and like of course, he doesn't have any favors left, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciated that. I think that was funny to end this. The scene to frame it as like yeah he's not like if if it had ended with him being like that bitch it would have yeah. been like this is crazy <laughs> like what what are you what's your plan with what the message of this movie is but in that scene it's he is just kind of like yeah you know what yeah that's probably not the right thing to do but whatever <laughs> i get it that my career probably won't go anywhere now and that and the the whole bruce lee thing his family or yeah his family has had huge problems with that so like I think there's certainly a conversation, too, about what it does to Bruce Lee. Uh, And to, like, frame it as this, like, fake white man stunt guy character beat Bruce Lee in a fight on the set that he was the lead in. It's like, what is, why this particular thing? Maybe just because, like, you know, those were the icons of the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what Cliff Booth's character is. But I think, like, his family having a problem with it and being like, this seems weirdly disrespectful to a person who, like, was also liked by Quentin Tarantino. Like, Quentin Tarantino has taken so many things from Bruce Lee. Why would he frame him him in this negative light? Which I will also say, though, the scenes where they're cutting away from the movie to show Sharon Tate training with Bruce Lee... Mm -hmm. Puts him in a very different light, mm-hmm. and I think then you're supposed to really understand, like, yeah, he was, like, a a friend of Sharon Tate's, and, like, you know, proud of her when she would do stuff right, and, and like, nice and approachable actor. So I think it's a lot about, like, you know, what angle are you seeing it from? Who's, whose perspective are you Are you reading the situation from? Um, yeah. But it's still weird. It's still, the scene is weird. Mm-hmm it's funny but and the fight looks great like the way the camera moves with them as they're like blocking each other Mm -hmm. is very cool it looks great there's
2: a lot of fun camera movement in this movie that i don't know if i necessarily like clocked the first time i watched it but like he's just doing like he he's he's being really playful with the the camera which i think is is fun like there's a couple scenes where like i think that first scene where that you were kind of mentioning earlier um when Leo is just like running lines he's just like in his pool and then it like kind of pans up Mm -hmm. and then back you just like just like fun little movements like that that i Mm -hmm. think i was like oh man like just just like really i don't know
1: to show how approximate everything is too yeah like they're just one camera move away and that's their driveway Mm -hmm. that's how close these situations are happening um also, the other thing that I really appreciated that would like when I said like little stuff that I noticed this time around was Steve McQueen, played by Damian Lewis. I think a Daniel Craig would have been a better Steve McQueen, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but him kind of giving the rundown of the situation at the Playboy Mansion where it's like she broke up with him to marry him. And then he's like uh, what she when the other girl is like, Well, she certainly has a type, short, like brunette man, <laughs> men who mm-hmm. Whatever, and then he's like, "Never, I never had a chance. Yeah. Then the mirror of that is when Leonardo DiCaprio is talking to, um, what's his name, on the set of the Western TV show. Who's the hero? Oh, uh, Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant, yeah. When he's talking to Timothy Oliphant, and he's like, is it true that you almost got the, the Steve McQueen role in The Great Escape? And he's like, I was fourth on the list, uh, you know, the Georges. And I'm like yeah. goes through all those Georges. Harris, Jacaris and <laughs> whoever the other one is. But then Rick says I never stood a chance. So there's this mirror of Rick wanting a Steve McQueen role and never getting it, never having a chance, and Steve McQueen wanting Sharon Tate and never having a chance. And in the end, Rick meets Sharon Tate and there wasn't any chance of that happening in reality because mm-hmm. we know what ex- what actually happened. But that idea of, like, him wanting what Steve McQueen got and Steve McQueen wanting something else I thought was really interesting. And just the, the same line repeated. What does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> um, what other things? Oh, The Fourteen fifths of McCluskey is, like, a really funny... It feels kind of like it could happen in the reality in which Inglorious Bastards happens. Mm-hmm that like that's how the war ended and so now they make movies about that <laughs> yeah like reality
2: in irl quote
1: uh-huh. hitler
2: was yeah. burned to death when an entire movie theater went up in flames so the movie version is that <laughs> one guy with a flamethrower just takes him out
1: <laughs> yeah which i also love the scene of him practicing where he's like yeah i trained uh, for two weeks on that because uh, you know i was afraid of it too And then just blowing the flamethrower and be like, oh, oh God. Okay, wait, that's enough. It's so hot. hot. It's so hot. Can Can we do do anything anything about about that (laughs) heat? Rick, it's a (laughs) flamethrower. So funny. Uh, But yeah, just... (laughs) And yeah, that kind of sticking around where you see that he owns it and that he's kept it. And if we want to talk about that end scene, I do think like uh, in the commentary around the violence the same way that you could talk about *Inglorious Bastards where it's like, is this necessary to show a theater full of people getting, like, riddled with bullets and burned alive? Yeah, but they're Nazis, so...
0: That's where I think, I think that, that was essentially the thing that I was like, you have *Inglorious Bastards, they're Nazis, who are getting got. You have uh, Django Unchained, they're, like, slaveholders... Mm-hmm. getting caught. And then in Kill Bill you have a revenge story. And so all of those are like they're the way the story is told, you're rooting for the people to die typically. <laughs> but in this one, the way the story is told is you don't like it's not revenge. And so it's not like it just is like, oh, she just got a can to the face to where you're right. like, or or sh- her face is going through a telephone repeatedly to where you're like, what the fuck? Stop hitting her head on something for two minutes. It just, yeah. it's a way more visceral thing because you don't have the like, de- a detachment. Because like, Kill Bill is like, okay, you right. can't cut through a person with a samurai sword so there's an element of like not you can le- cut through a
1: person with a samurai sword
0: doesn't she cut someone in half
1: i don't know if she cuts anyone in half long ways but you could cut somebody in half with a samurai sword i know to you sharpen c- enough if you, you slice cut, right like, through them
0: yeah you could cut like an arm off but like i thought for some reason she cut someone like literally down the middle but maybe i'm thinking of something else
1: but anyway, yeah, there's... It does happen in other things, but...
0: There's an element of, like, f- fan fantasy to where it's like, okay, if you cut someone's arm off, it's not going to be, like, a jet of blood. To where yeah. it, like, doesn't... It's gratuitous violence, but it doesn't look real. And, it's and it's over-the-top
2: for comedic effect, right? Like, it's purposefully it, yeah. done to be exaggerated.
0: Right. Yeah. And then and you have the element of the story which is like this is revenge but then in this one it's like too real there is no i didn't other than the fact that the head banging goes on for so long it doesn't seem like there is a heightening for comedic effect and it's not revenge and so it's like well
2: so you're yes you're right but also and, and i'm not like not all hippies but like, right? The people who are getting got are people who, in real life, committed like truly heinous acts. Oh, against like which yes. I, I know you're not saying that <laughs> you're not saying that that didn't right. happen, but but in the I,
0: story, they're not doing that. That's where like if they were at Sharon Tate's house and they heard Sharon Tate scream and went over and threw a can in their face, then you'd be like, fuck yeah. But because they haven't done it in the story is where you're like, I get that these people are literally about to do like, as they described it, discussing witchy stuff with like their dead bodies. But like you need to either do like a leg up to get the audience there or like, I don't know. I don't. It I think just it's was very like, dependent on you knowing mis- what
1: exactly. It's yeah. not a, like but The I Nazis don't... actually did a lot of stuff and then the Nazis got got. And then this one, it really is relying on you knowing how brutal the, the murders were and how much better it's, it presupposes this alternate version would have been that the bad guys never got to do what they were going to do that night and that this was prevented at all but i think the commentary is this night three people are brutally murdered in rick dalton's home and essentially life goes on no big deal cliff gets taken to the hospital sharon tate invites rick over those manson kids are yeah, dead yeah
0: that's i guess i didn't think but, of it as a swap
1: but it's but it's also almost like that justification of violence to say like Okay, so the worst version of this is like an innocent pregnant woman and her friends are all murdered brutally by the Manson family, or the Manson family gets burnt to a crisp in a pool, <laughs> smashed their head through a fireplace, and curb stomped from. in the front door. Just crispy yeah uh but like
0: to be honest it's the head banging and it's the can are really hard. it's awful to watch
1: but i think (laughs) and i think i think the thing that it's also kind of making you question maybe maybe this is tarantino's uh purpose but it is kind of like is this gratuitous or do you think it's justified like can you watch somebody getting their head smashed against a fireplace and go oh good riddance because it's the manson family or do you still kind of go, oh, God, this is so horrific in reality that it isn't a stunt, that it's not a movie, it's not pretend, like, this is actual people dying. And also, like, Cliff Booth is a war hero, as they call him. So, like, he's murdered people before, including mm-hmm. his wife. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> uh, it it is a realistic kind of grotesque fate for these three people but it's kind of shrugged off as like, well, but they were bad guys. Right. And is that okay? Is this still the perpetuating of violence that TV uh, did as they say, as the Manson kids say, like, I have a question. Is it justified?
0: And I know Matt, you've done some deep dives into cults. In fact, when we worked together at the unnamed company, um, (laughs) Matt said that he (laughs) would spend significant part of your day looking up cults or something like that did i i I remember you messaging me and being like this is what i used to do and then and then i was like oh really and you were like yeah i know i spent like a week reading about the manson family and then i was like oh and then i went to wikipedia and typed in manson family and then spent the next hour with this look on my face just like (laughs) and people were coming in being like hi i'm looking for so-and-so and And i'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I was, a scary I did not, group of people. I did not know about, about anything about it until I was, was, like, 25, 26, and I was horrified. But didn't they kill other people before
1: Sharon Tate? I don't think so, actually. I think they were just kind of, like,
0: They were just ramping violent.
1: up? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I... it was, like, this was a big... And I think the notable thing was that Charles Manson did not commit the murders. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm but encouraged and inspired people to do them. And so he was ultimately convicted along with them. But I think
0: like like, that's where if they did other violent stuff, just put some of that in the movie so that when the time comes for them to get their face caved in, you're, you're rooting for them in a story sense as opposed to just like having background knowledge.
1: They're set up as kind of stupid bumbling kids. Like Maya Hawk, runs off with the car and leaves them without a getaway. So it's like,
0: my hawk.
1: Yeah, that was Maya hawk.
0: Is everyone in the hippies just children of Hollywood?
1: Basically. B- yeah, that was kind of, <laughs> cause, uh, Margo, Qua- or Margaret Qualley is Andy McDowell's daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like everyone is kind of purposely young Hollywood. Abigail Breslin's there. Like a bunch of people wow. are there on that ranch. Um, but Lizzie McGuire, Lizzie McGuire wasn't there um what was I gonna say uh
0: I was just the the like show the other violent acts
2: are you looking it up Colin yeah uh so they did uh murder more people the following night but the oh. Tate murders were the first ones. Got it. Man. So. That's fucking nuts. Yeah.
0: And was the actual cause to just kill whoever lived in that house?
2: So that's where I'm not, would... like, super clear. I know that, there, like, there's all sorts of... I, I've never done, like, a deep dive on this particular thing. So uh, what I'm about to say may be wrong. But I know that there's, like... So in the movie the the one scene with Charlie Manson, he shows up at the house cuz he's looking for Terry. And Terry is oh, a yeah. record producer. Um and so I think like there was supposed to be some sort of like I think if I remember correctly like Charlie Manson was hoping to have some sort of like record like he wanted to record music. Um And so that was where, like, where Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski lived was the previous home of this record producer. So, like, that's why Charlie Manson shows up there. Um, I don't necessarily know, like, if he's just like, okay, well, go kill all those people because that's the house of the person. Like, I don't know necessarily that level of connection, but that's why, in the movie, that's why Charlie is in that one scene.
0: When does he show up?
2: It's the, same, it's the same day that Cliff is working on Rick's oh, antenna. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And he just, like, shows up and is looking... Yeah, he, like, talks to... He doesn't say anything to Sharon, but he talks to Jay. And it's just like, oh, I'm looking for Terry. And then Jay is like, Terry doesn't live here anymore. So, like, there's that Which,
1: yeah.
2: connection. But I don't know much more beyond that.
1: I think that's another thing that I kind of, like was extra attentive to of like this particular day. I think it's in February yeah. that we spend a whole day with all three of them in their morning, afternoon and night. Uh, the day that FBI is on TV and it's the day that it just so happens to be, yeah, that meme, <laughs> meme-worthy Leonardo meme worthy. Iconic meme. Um, but it's like, it just so happens to be the day that cliff goes and follows pussycat to the spawn ranch and gets the first inklings of what is going on up there and that that's the same day that charlie manson comes to visit that house and it's the same day that you know uh leonardo dicaprio or that rick dalton kind of like has the epiphany of like fine i'm gonna go do italian movies because like i want to continue my career. Like I believe in myself again, so I'm willing to do this. That like One that of those ju- things that... is
0: not like the other.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't think but I think that's kind of the point too is that Rick Dalton doesn't really earn earn a happy ending. He's just like kind of a, an actor. Uh and he's just adjacent to all this other stuff. But uh, that's where and, he doesn't
0: need to be there.
1: Sure. I think it's also funny that in the end he's wearing that like pink get up like the pink like uh linen polo and the pink pants with this kind of like foppish little curly brown haircut he like looks like this like little prince valiant kinda (laughs) like (laughs) just kind of like useless prince like again the prince versus like the white knight that is the uh the cliff character this kind of like brave violent (laughs) like slayer of evil and rick is just kind of this like lump he gained 25 pounds when he was in italy because he loved the pasta so much like he is hapless and kind of like barely making it and just kind of a a fuck up and i do think that's funny for leonardo DiCaprio to play because we rarely get him as a fuck up he's usually like the cool guy Mm -hmm. and he's not the cool guy in this he's a wimp but then he does fry somebody with a with a flamethrower, which also like, the the context of like being in your little floaty and then having somebody yeah. bust through the window and then like start shooting a gun and being just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, how did this person end up here? What am I supposed to do? And just grabbing your flamethrower uh, is like a wild <laughs> turn of events. But like, what but would you that's do? That's like
0: the the over the top, like so. Ridiculous! It's not real violence that I feel like right. we're used to with a Tarantino movie, and so that's where I was definitely expecting more of that than we ended up getting. Also, the yeah. having seen is it just John Wick three or is it John Wick two that also has dogs?
1: Three, three just, is the it's one. It's just that has, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Halle Berry's dogs. Yeah, so Buckingham like
0: that's another movie. That does a dog attacking a bad guy
1: better than this movie. <laughs> that one also came out after, though.
0: I know that's right. it's like licorice pizza, where it's like, this this was uh, like, good I think at the time,
2: but John Wick Chapter Three came out before, actually. Wow, they were both, they I were both 2019. You stole
1: it then. after. But also, I think uh, I also don't love dogs is such attacking people. <laughs> really?
0: No, it's not really my thing.
1: Why? Because you're afraid that you're, that Paddington will one day bite you in the crotch?
0: No, that dog, he can't do anything. He found a ball on the walk yesterday and then just carried a ball home. And kept looking at other dogs like, you see my ball? Do you see my ball?
2: John Wick Chapter 3 came out May 17th, 2019. Once Upon a yeah. Time in Hollywood came out July 25th, 2019.
1: So. so they did not inspire each other. They were just happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Concurrently? But also... Brandy's such a good girl, though. I love Brandy. I when do Brandy too. goes, ah. and he's like, "Did you just whine? Because if you whine, I'll throw this out. I swear <laughs> to God, I don't want to, but I will." And then she's just polite. And then later, when Cliff has the acid cigarette and he flops the dog food in, and just goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> Which is
0: really the only appropriate reaction to wet dog food. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So gross. I was. <laughs> it like makes me gag.
2: When he's feeding her in his trailer, and he gives her two whole cans of dog food, and then dumps a bunch of kibble on top. I was like, "God
0: damn!" Like you but know then, that dog
2: is just shitting. <laughs> well, then I was like, so I, I don't own a dog, but I've I, you know I've dog sat, uh, and so was <laughs> watching it, I was like. Okay, so he probably picked up Cliff at Cliff's house that day at, like, you know, I don't know. How early do you think he's picking up Cliff? And then, yeah. I mean, that's how he early he picks him up the prior day, or on, like, the following day. so But anyway, long story short, it's like, I guess maybe you do have to feed the dog that much if you're only feeding the dog once because you're never around <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was just like, that trailer has just got to be full of dog shit.
0: (laughs) And like liquid dog shit. I've never seen a dog eat wet dog food without then having a wet poo.
2: (laughs) But she's
1: home alone the whole day. Oh, I love Brandy so much. Bless her. Um, yeah. And also just his little clicks. She's such a good girl.
0: Hey, Matt, question. Do we go to El El Coyote?
1: uh we did not
0: what was the taco place oh it was on uh
1: pinches
0: and that was on uh what road is that on uh sunset
1: yeah by chateau marmont i was gonna say is that that the same one that
0: beverly and i was like oh maybe
1: it's the same taco place (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is the one i brought both of you to and uh as much as i love pinches my new favorite spot is the parking lot of the pavilions <laughs> where I have taken Colin. those tacos are so fucking good <laughs> the parking lot <laughs> i can never pronounce the name but tacos uh gets uh oh, i already forgot there's a z and a g <laughs> anyway um what was the other thing uh, oh, the drive-in music that's playing when Cliff, or
2: when, yeah, when Cliff...
1: Is New Bev's. New Bev also plays the same feature presentation music. I as
2: think as Quentin's as used as that a in a movie, too. Probably.
1: Or maybe I'm just thinking of the
2: Grindhouse, like, double feature. I don't know if he's actually used it in one of his own, but, like... I see. when you When like, when I you see. go to the, or when I went to the Grindhouse, like, packaged film as it was released there it was used there so yeah quentin loves
1: that shit i see (laughs) i see um okay should i just roll through some quick notes that i got sure uh the wilhelm scream right away oh love it right away as we're seeing love a wilhelm scream Ah! Um, (laughs) uh, i wish we did get more cliff Actually, being a stunt double for Rick, yes. like their relationship on set, or like the way that they would tag out for things, or even just like the kind of thing that Rick would not want to do, of Rick being like, "Now you know, I, I thought I could hop across these buildings, but I, I think I'm going to have you do that instead," Cliff and Cliff being like, "Well, that's just fine," and like or whatever, like to see a little bit more of their working relationship. Uh, but that's yeah. not the movie because it's about the sunset of their careers. Uh the dance floor on the airplane was another the fuck this used to be on airplanes yeah. moment in this movie where i was like double decker on a spiral staircase A blah
2: yeah two A-bois. weeks in a row it's A-bois. like man they really knew what they were doing in airfare or air travel back in the day <laughs> we've we we've sure really can. fucked it up since then <laughs> <laughs> fucked it all
1: up um i gave one of you yeah we really have i gave you i think tierney uh, a dog's or a wolf what is it what's the oh the brand of the
2: like the brand of the oh, uh,
1: yeah. dog food yeah yeah that was just a thing that i remembered um we have spent no t- i'm gonna go back to this because it's a longer point uh the joke about uh like, that story sounds real sad. And he's like, it's about to happen to you in 15 years. And she's like, what? Yeah. It's a funny joke. Also funny in context of who's saying it. Leonardo DiCaprio, who has got a strict 19-year-old cutoff. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, God, I didn't even think of that.
2: I'm, isn't it 27?
0: Twenty. It's one he, thing He's starting up. to move it up. Yeah. Talk he's about like... Arrested Development.
1: Mm. Mm. Um... <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, we yeah. all were
0: thinking it. No, it's, no, yeah, I no, was no. just, that was oh. me
1: going like, mm, interesting, mm-hmm. mm. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. While we're here, let's just
2: praise Julia Butters for just, like, a hot minute. That was what I was gonna go oh, yeah, back to, so we should just, she's, she's so good. She's so good in that, like, in this movie, she's really, like, I really, I, it worked even better for me the second time watching it. That's like the scene that they just share And they're just like having that conversation Like she's just like a 12 year old method actor Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Like it's just like so wild And she's just like so Yeah I uh, I don't like nicknames like pumpkin puss (laughs) But we'll have another conversation about that The way she I was gonna
2: say The way she switches to like very clearly she's upset But then she's like I see that you're hurting so Like I'll, I'll let it slide this time It's so good She's so yeah. good, and then hope I didn't throw you so hard. The hard there, <laughs> and she's like, oh no, that was, um, that was the yeah, best I, scene I've ever seen. Best acting I've ever seen. Uh, and then you know, now she's out there hawking Tammy Krabs. So
1: Hawking. Ha- so <laughs> last week at Itania, we had uh, Paul Walter Hauser, who's from I think you should leave. And this episode, we have Julia Butters, who is, uh, of course, the spokesperson for Tammy Craps, who advises not to stick <laughs> rocks in your pocket to make you heavy enough to get a Tammy Craps because it's got enough chemicals that it's, like, smoking five Macanudo cigars, <laughs> which actually is what Julia Butters is actually hawking, is Macanudo cigars. Uh, everyone should watch. I think you should leave. Season three is coming on pretty soon, but, like... The actors from that show and from these movies, you know, quality performances all around. Trudy. uh, But she's so good. She's really good. Um, I was just so excited.
0: I actually knew that. I think you should leave reference. Uh, From when you guys (laughs) sat sat me down. Forced you to (laughs) watch. Ludicrous technique made watch.
1: I think you should leave. You better get out of here, little girl. <laughs> this stuff is like poison to you. <laughs> um, the Screen Gems sound is audible when uh, uh, Cliff Booth is looking around the Spawn Ranch house. The and Screen Gems is like, ba-da-da, ba-da-da. and it was this uh, production company that did a lot of, you know, it does movies, but it also did a lot of these old TV shows. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole documentary about how that little logo opening scared the shit out of a bunch of kids like (laughs) it haunted a generation of people that were like yeah there's something about that like that that really was unsettling and like the logo kind of looked like an eye but that reminded me that there is a documentary about it and I kind of want to watch it Uh, (laughs) which relates to my last one of my last points which was the diegetic soundtrack Mm -hmm. of like him in the spawn house looking around and having the music from the tv sounding like like a private investigator show like a matlock or something yeah and then later he turns on the music and it sets the scene for the murders uh that happened in rick dalton's house of this like kind of psychedelic crazy uh unhinged music so i thought that was a really cool thing of like you know not only cars and driving around but like a lot of these scenes were like fit the tone that it was trying to communicate uh at that time. Which also fitting that Mrs. Robinson plays when a man in his forties looks at a seventeen year old girl.
0: Is that at the Playboy mansion?
1: No, that's when Cliff's driving around and sees oh, right. Wally yeah, for the yeah. first time yeah. and it's like
0: it's
1: like, oh I see what's going on here. <coughs> I did look um, in... oh go yeah. ahead. Those are all my notes. I just
0: looked at my top songs from 2019 and we have oh, nice. this is the order uh son of a Lovin' man by the buchanan brothers it's the top one from this album i guess that i listened to then um is kentucky woman in this or is that i different? believe so i think okay, so that's yeah that would be next it's hard because yeah, it i didn't is. use they don't all have the same album cover because mm-hmm. i didn't always listen to the album Good thing by Paul Revere and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Hungry by Paul Revere and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, Treat her right. Uh, that I know is from. This. Oh
2: yeah, that's the first one. Yeah.
0: Roy Roy Head and the Traits. Um, Jenny, take a ride. Mm-hmm. By Mitch Ryder. Paxton Quigley's Head, the course. By Chad. <laughs> And Jeremy, <laughs> uh, those would be like my big ones, but they a lot of those are all ones that oh, and Mr. Sun and Mr. Moon, Paul Revere and the Raiders, um, but stuff like the Mamas and Papas is not here because I would have already known those. Mm-hmm. there's Those right. Paul Revere and the Raiders I wasn't as familiar with. Um,
1: I don't know any of those by name. Uh, Paul Revere I Revere and the Raiders is
0: what uh, Sharon Tate plays an album of theirs, and so you have three mm. songs. Yeah, and I think it's I the see. last day when she's super pregnant. It's like Mr. Sun, Mr. Moon, don't you shine on me? I'm um, cut that
2: out because no one needs to listen to me <laughs> say. <laughs> Speaking of the mamas and the papas, uh, I had totally forgotten when she gets to the play when Sharon gets to the Playboy Mansion and she uh, meets uh, Mama Cass. I was like, oh. Oh,
0: Mom and Cass. they
2: just like are partying on the dance floor together I was like oh that's fun mm-hmm. um,
0: and my favorite Mamas and Papas is in this well they do they play straight shooter on the piano and then 1230 is my favorite Mamas and Papas and you could not pick a better song for this story just with the young girls coming to the canyon Um. but I just would have Rather had more of that story (laughs) and less of Leo. (laughs) That's my summary. All of my rambles can come down (laughs) to
2: that. I do think, and I like, we don't need to, I know we're going relatively long, so we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about it, but I do think the Rick character and his particular story arc, and, you know, like Matt was saying, like the sunsetting of his career, I do think is interesting when you take a look at like well Quentin's self-imposed I'm only making 10 movies and so I think a lot of this movie is so much like him reflecting on his life and like you know Matt like like you said this so much of this movie is a fairy tale so much of this movie is kind of like a dream so much of this movie feels like similar to Licorice Pizza like somebody who grew up in this area or like in this time period and they're just like imagining what you know what they're childhood was like and kind of recreating their childhood and so i do think the this is not a novel opinion by any means but i do think the rick character having a sense of like okay my career is winding down what does that mean and quentin having his own self-imposed okay i'm winding down my own career what does that mean um i think is like a really interesting for me an interesting component of this movie um obviously that's Purely driven by the Rick storyline, so, you know, your mileage may vary in, in that it doesn't for Tierney. But, <laughs> um, but I, I do think that that's like a, a, I think that's one of the things that makes this movie so unique. Because I think, I remember when this first came out, a lot of people were like, oh, it doesn't really feel like a Quentin Tarantino movie. And I think that that's true to a degree, But I was like, what do we, like, when we think of Quentin Tarantino movies, we typically associate them with, like, good writing and violence, sometimes more so than others. But I think that this movie has good writing. I think it's a well-written script. Uh, Again, your mileage may vary, but... um, I think like the writing is solid and there is that sequence of, of like that explosion of violence towards the end. So I do think that like it is a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. It's just, it's different. And I think one of the things that makes it so different is that it is really introspective um, in, in a way that a lot of his other movies aren't necessarily. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I enjoy when I watch it is just like seeing somebody like grapple with that.
1: Yeah, and I think having Rick be, you know, successful but not, you know, hitting his ceiling, mm-hmm. and having that so far from where Cliff is, does make the decision of like, okay, I gotta fire you, like, or I gotta lay you off because I won't have enough money to pay you. That much more heartbreaking of like, oh man, what is Cliff, what is Cliff gonna do? Mm-hmm. Like, he has nothing besides this and he hasn't even been doing stunt jobs for a while and he like fucked it up because he got in a fight so like where is it, where does he go from here uh yeah i think i think it's a movie about a time and a place mm-hmm. uh which is I mean, suggested by the title but i think it's also interesting that like cliff goes on a real little western adventure with like people riding cowboy like riding horses and threatening him and getting in fights while rick films a facsimile of that just like a fake version where he's the bad guy um so it's like the real and the fiction are always kind of happening at the same time in hollywood Mm -hmm. in that crazy place they call hollywood which also kurt russell is both the character and the voiceover right yes which is interesting yeah it's almost like we're hearing secondhand gossip from him (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, the last thing I'll say is obviously the, uh, connections between this and licorice pizza are like very overt. Um, -hmm. like just like between the two movies, not necessarily intentionally. So, but, um, like not that Paul Thomas Anderson was intentionally trying to be like once upon a time in Hollywood, but just like the movies that they are, are just like so overtly similar. Mm -hmm. Um, but another I mean, one that Inherent I was...
0: Inherent Vice literally references the Manson murders as well. Mm-hmm. You're right. He describes it as the post-Manson paranoia. Yeah.
2: Because um, mm-hmm. when does Inherent Vice take place? Is that in like the 79? 70... Oh, it is 69 too. I thought that was in the early 70s for oh, some reason. Oh, interesting.
0: I'm pretty sure it's 69. Let me double check.
1: Okay. In the summer of '69.
2: Um, but as I was watching it last night, I was like, "Oh, you know, it would be another good double feature with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood." Uh, Everybody wants some fucking Babylon, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 you got your, uh, you got your
2: Margot Robbie, you got your Brad Pitt, you got oh, your, oh shit, you got your like, I'm a, I'm a star and I'm on the downslope of my career. Huh both movies are epic for
0: magic mike and it is it's in the nine. it's
2: 1970 okay but yeah the following year yeah so i was like oh man now i just want to rewatch licorice pizza in babylon (laughs) sure yeah as as i do (laughs) i do love
1: brad pitt i just like i feel like he's really coming to his own in his later years even though he is kind of playing the same kind of like perpetually squinting uh kind of like uh, I don't know about that kind of guy. I do like it and I think he he does it well and I'm typically very entertained by Brad Pitt. Hell yeah. So, have you seen Go See Babylon? I saw Babylon. Oh, you did. All right. Yeah, I think he's good in Babylon. I think the movie could be halved and it would have been better.
2: No, is what I'll say. I need I need 45 more minutes of Babylon. <laughs> Uh, categories.
1: Uh, Let's do it. Tattoo ideas. Um, the wolf's tooth, or whatever the <laughs> the name. Of the flamethrower. A, f- a flamethrower. that would be cool. And having it say Betty <laughs> on the on the body, that would be cool. That would be fun. Uh, bounty law. Just the words bounty law. Which the I'm bounty pretty law sure is logo. supposed
0: to be Bonanza, right?
1: Yeah, something like that. It yeah.
0: seems or Gunsmoke. And,
2: and any one of those various TV yeah. westerns of the Pick time.
1: Western. Uh,
2: apparently. In the fifties. <laughs> uh, apparently, they're de- like I don't know how involved he is, but uh, Quentin oh, yeah. and some people are developing about like an actual bounty law TV show. I forgot that was supposed to happen. Which would be fun. That would be cool. Um, yeah, I think I like the idea. The other thing I was thinking of was, like, maybe the car. Um, mm. But it's not, like, it's a cool-looking car, and, like, so much of this movie yeah. takes place in the car. But I was like, yeah. I mean, it's not that iconic. It's not like, you know, the car from Bullet or something.
0: he punches that dude in the face, I feel like that, the story was, like, this man you, like, you punching him in the face is like, well, he was a shithead. As opposed <laughs> he did to, like, stab
1: your tire. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and that's where the that's... ending is missing that. <laughs> like, you I to... think
1: it really is, like we said, relying a lot yeah, on who you, you just know have to... the Manson family to be. Yeah, exactly. It. But it is kind of a game, almost like Minority Report, is if, like, oh, well, if they didn't do the crazy, terrible thing, did they deserve to die this way? And I think this the movie is suggesting... Uh, yes, I believe so. <laughs> you
0: know how blind I am about them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a minority re- report quote for you. You should do minority report. On this podcast look man this is, third, this is our third this is our third time doing best. one of these
2: and you've had selections every single
1: time so i know but i'm not gonna pick my top dog movies <laughs> i'm always picking more obscure ones than like my mainstays well
2: i'm just saying if you're like we should
1: do it well, you there's, wouldn't a, have there's a way
2: for about... you to do it is all i'm saying
0: and it's not like i'm gonna shit on a, a, your mainstay because i also enjoyed that movie other than the me. last three minutes <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the movie itself is great
1: good Well, Uh, maybe we'll do it would you guys spend time on this film set yeah absolutely yeah every scene i would would yeah
2: one of the easiest yeses
1: (laughs) yeah uh what what a good
2: hang what character would you want to play good question
1: um hmm uh hmm (laughs) francesca (laughs) julia butters (laughs) yeah
2: uh oh yeah Yeah, i don't know um yeah i'm trying to think that's yeah this one's a tough one
1: because the main ones are are fun but they're too easy it's like yeah i could play one of the leads but like who else is populating this world uh i think i'd want to play the um
2: KHJ DJ, okay, just like introing sure. songs, introing and outroing songs, and then every once in a while talking about a school having their <laughs> high school reunion.
1: <laughs> Man, I was
2: not paying attention to those radio advertisements at all. Tierney has a category for her movies. So this last time, what music moment worked the best for you? Mm-hmm. So not just your favorite song, but like what moment from the movie that incorporated the song and I'll start uh mine's a cop-out but I again as I mentioned I think the radio the diegetic-ness of them when they're driving around listening to the radio so it's not like one individual moment but like as a collective um I really enjoyed being able to hear the radio while they're driving around
1: yeah um man I should have paid attention more to this
0: I don't even know Uh, if I can, the only one that's really coming to mind is when Sharon Tate puts on the Paul Revere record or, mm -hmm. uh, no, probably 1230. Mamas and Papas, 1230.
1: Mm. When is that? What scene is that?
0: Uh, I believe it's at the end.
1: Okay. Uh, I guess whatever song is playing when Cliff is driving home, but I feel like I don't remember what. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Which time? Uh, like,
1: the first time. Towards the beginning, when he's back. going home to hang out with uh, Brandy. Our girl Brandy, yeah. Um, I is will it say, Brandy? there's like. Yeah. They You're cut a fine girl. A particular... <laughs> We're fine, such a good wife you would be. Uh, but when Margaret Qualley does a little turn when Mrs. Robinson is playing, she turns at the exact time there's like a little like sound sting. And I was like, oh, that's some good editing mm-hmm. to, like, get it right, synced up. So maybe that moment, who knows. <laughs>
2: uh, the email link I sent you guys was KHJ Presents Another Film Podcast. Um, again, I spent literally all day listening to this soundtrack, <laughs> just on repeat on Spotify. So wow. <laughs> had a lot of KHJ going on in my my day. Um and then last category is Oscars. This was nominated for ten wow. Academy Awards. Uh oh fucking Christ. Uh the other movies that were nominated for ten Academy Awards that year. Irishman in nineteen seventeen. There was one wow. movie that was nominated for more awards. Do you know what it was? Parasite? Fucking Joker. Joker was nominated Pass. for a lot <laughs> <Latin> awards. They both uh, <laughs>
0: similar content.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Um, similar, yeah, so...
0: like, morals. <laughs> mm.
1: Interesting.
2: This was the same year as Parasite, so obviously we're not choosing yeah, no. Once Upon a Time over Parasite not in any even. of those also, categories. Also,
0: 1917 was a better made movie than this one.
2: Okay.
1: I'm
0: sorry, it is meant to look like I a pick
1: s- this. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when I picked Alphaville.
2: <laughs> well you guys enjoyed yourself at
1: least this time. I yeah, uh, I really liked it.
2: Uh, so it won for Brad Pitt and it won for production design.
1: which are the only two i I feel like
2: i'm gonna like yeah i think in a different year i would maybe make arguments for other things but i think yeah i mean yeah
1: parasite's the answer for sure Yeah. (laughs) also it's fun so uh this is gonna be a trivia question but is this brad pitt's first oscar it's his first acting oscar that's it that's exactly it yeah Nah, he, I because think, what else has he won an Oscar for? Producing Moonlight, baby! And, yeah, and 12, 12 Years a Slave. a Slave. Look at that. A twofer. He's got so many Oscars.
2: Uh Yeah, That's Plan B. Producer. They make Who good movies, thought? usually. They sure do. Um, usually. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I saw something the other day, or not the other day, like somewhat recently, that was a Plan B movie, and I was like, Eh. <laughs> you've done better (laughs) Mm. um but yeah that's it that's once upon a time in hollywood we did it everyone it was
1: one time and it was over in hollywood that one time
2: uh matt did this movie make you happy with your choice
1: to live in hollywood yes and maybe that's why i liked it more this time (laughs) because i was like oh yeah the vibes are dead on (laughs) exactly what it feels like to live here Uh, and I kind of want to drive up to Cielo drive now and just like, you know, do a little quick look, see, (laughs) just just poke around, see see, see what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, what have
2: you guys been up to lately?
1: Oh, this and that.
2: Oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I can go first. Uh, yeah. I saw John Wick Chapter 4. Tierney is aware of my thoughts. I am holding them until whenever Matt sees the movie. I might go tonight. I think I'm going to try to go tonight. Hopefully next week when we record, we can carve out some time to discuss John Wick Chapter 4. But it is a movie that I have seen, is what I would say at this point. Bless up. Bless (laughs) up. Um, And then I also saw the Dungeons & Dragons movie. Which I thought was quite fun. Um, it reminded me a lot of Jumanji, like the Juman like the more recent Whoa. Jumanji's, where it's like both based on games. <laughs> like everybody just like everybody was like, "Yeah, this is like a pretty silly concept, but like let's just lean into the silliness and let's just have a good time." And uh, it really it worked for me. And I've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, but uh, I was like, I wasn't confused at all, which I wasn't necessarily worried about, mm. but I. Um, I've never played it before, and I think, like, just, like, some of the silliness of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, and no shade at people who do play Dungeons & Dragons, but just, like, some of the silliness of it is Like math? Like, made its way into, like, yes, like math.
1: (laughs) Or the cubes?
2: Are the cubes in this? Like, the gelatin cubes? Yeah. Cool. Uh, There's a character, this is is a mild, mild, mild spoiler, but it made me laugh so hard. There's a character named Jarnathan. (laughs) <laughs> just, like <laughs> it's just so silly <laughs> and like every once in a while they're like making references to things and they're like oh remember when we had to go do this thing in this one realm and it's just like it's so crazy <laughs> but like the fact that they're all just like clearly just like dedicated to having a good time is like really made it work so okay uh, i'll see you. would recommend and then, just to keep the, you know, 70s vibes going, uh, I'm almost done with Daisy Jones and the Six. Mm. Um, uh, I'm curious to see how it ends. I am I'm in, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's, like, a great TV mm. show. I think it's, like, a pretty good TV show. Riley Keough is amazing in this role. And the music is actually better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, like, the whole premise is, like, these people make one of the greatest music like one of the greatest albums of all time and like while they're doing it there's just like so much like tension and infighting and it ends up just like destroying the band uh and so like when you come in with that and it's all music written for a TV show you're like huh how's this going to go and i like i actually think it's pretty solid all things considered um so that's been fun but uh i think i will probably watch the finale at some point in the near future i will give you my thoughts on, on that at the end but um, better. the only other thing that I want to mention is uh our girls the the boys genius dropped an album they finally dropped a full length and it's so fucking good everybody go listen to it Phoebe Bridgers Lucy Dacus Julian Lukey, Baker Lukey <laughs> Lukey Bacchus it's really fucking good Uh, I listened to it all weekend and it's, it's, it's going to be like, there's, there's going to be very, very, very strong boy genius presence on my Spotify wrapped. So
1: of course, (laughs) what, what, what year would it be without you having a bunch of boy genius and their performers on your,
2: well, I mean, they haven't been putting out as much music as Taylor Swift has recently, so she's been really flooding the zone. <laughs> so. I can't roll my eyes enough.
1: <laughs> they would fall out of my face. But,
2: yes, when uh, when in 2020, uh, Punisher, Phoebe's most recent album, was my number one, and several songs were in my top ten. So, Typical. Boy Genius, the record. Check it out. It's very good. There's a uh, Simon and Garfunkel-esque song, Tierney, that I think you'll we'll
0: enjoy oh hello oh hello
2: that's it that's what i've been up to nice
0: um i finished reading leonard and hungry paul it was delightful i loved it uh i read a a book on docking because i had to do that for some sailing stuff (laughs) really riveting stuff
1: history of docking
0: how to parallel park your boat when the wind's blowing <laughs> what directions um, i started it sounds like reading. a thrilling
2: read <laughs> i fell asleep and then yeah, i woke yeah. up and finished it <laughs> not at all surprised <laughs> thankfully it was mercifully short um, I, that was my other thought i was like first of all this sounds like it would just be atrocious reading and it also doesn't <laughs> seem like it could be that long of a book thousand yeah. page you docking manual what?
0: And it's like, I could watch a YouTube video and probably retain this information a little bit better.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and then I started reading Atomic Habits, uh, which I have to do for work. Um, and it's pretty interesting. Um, and then I started reading, best news of all, I started reading White Noise by Don DeLillo. Uh, and oh. let me just tell you, it is, we're talking about vibes, it is extremely my vibe and I looked up Don DeLillo and it's like one of his top influences is Thomas Pynchon and I was of, like, course. Oh, of course yeah, of but course but the it makes me love the movie even more because the writing adaptation of it I'm like not even that far I'm like maybe four percent of the way through the book but the writing adaptation of the like the text narration is impeccable And Adam Driver's performance is outstanding that it is a crime that he was not nominated for Best Actor because you can't read that book without hearing his voice.
1: Interesting. Hmm.
0: I will die on this hill. That should have been nominated for something. Something.
1: I think it was like it had a lot of kind of steam behind it before it came out. And then I feel like once it came out, everyone was like, eh yeah and then it quickly sank but like i remember hearing about white noise it's like oh is this going to be an oscar contender and uh guess not
0: y'all it is i agree that it should have been
1: nominated for something
2: and that something is that lcd sound system song should have been nominated for best original song because that song fucking rules i think it should
0: have been best adapted screenplay i'm not even Mm. four four percent of the way through the book and it should have been nominated and you're Adam
2: say, I'm not even I'm not even 4% joking.
0: <laughs> it's, it's weird, <laughs> and Adam Driver I think <laughs> was really really good.
2: I do think and he was good.
0: You can kick off all of the fable
2: all of them. Wow. Every single fable man.
0: <laughs> I haven't even seen it. But I think I'm not a
1: fable could, man. I'm a fable man.
0: You could get rid of a good number of stuff. Um to make room for white noise um but you know it's sort of like the ethan Hawke movie first reformed whereas sometimes the best ones aren't going to get nominated
1: is that the true true all right i would say about that <laughs> <laughs> and then i uh
0: finished season two of narcos pa, Pablo escobar is dead and we are on spoiler
1: to- alert I didn't know Pablo Escobar died.
0: <laughs> um, and, yeah, I'm, like, a few episodes into season three. Um, and then I think after I'm going to have to take a break to watch some other stuff before I go to Narcos Mexico. I am getting to the point I can't watch it too close to bedtime because I've just been dreaming in Spanish. <laughs>
1: You're like, it was what, getting what does that even mean?
0: <laughs> like people i just have to talk in spanish <laughs> i'm not even fluent wow. <laughs> it's mostly just like repurposing stuff from the episode and and the, if i'm honest there's just a lot of curse words because that's yeah a lot of what i hear regularly
1: yeah um, you just gotta do one of those things where you put on headphones overnight and it reads spanish to you so that you absorb it in your sleep you know about those
0: i don't know that well, that would th- actually th- work
1: I think it would give you more tools to speak with these other characters in your dreams. Yeah.
0: I mean I can speak to them. It's it's just it's frustrating because I can understand more than I'm capable of saying. And that's just Fair. also when I'm awake I can I can uh, like translate
2: more than what I can speak. This is it's like the weirdest version. So like most people are like, Oh, I can't watch that thing before bed because then I'm not gonna sleep well because i'm gonna be too anxious or like oh i'm gonna oh, like i, I can't sleep watch this a...
0: well because my brain's but, working so well, hard. that's what i'm saying
2: like it's just like it's the weirdest
1: version of that
2: thing yeah, right? right like it's just
1: linguistics yeah it's
2: like <laughs> like, oh i can't watch a scary movie before bed because then i'm gonna have nightmares or you know like all of those other things and you're just like i can't watch this before bed because then i speak in spanish in my dreams
1: <laughs> it's like yeah. okay i guess it is it's kind of like <laughs> tetris where <laughs> if i play tetris too close to bedtime i just play tetris in my dreams. <laughs> Do you really? Yours is like a whole language. Oh, yeah. That's what Tetris it. is known for. is like dr- like drilling itself into your brain, burrowing.
0: It was the only Speaking of Tetris,
1: Matt, did you watch the new movie? Like is that what you've years. been up to? I haven't seen the new Tetris movie. The new one? Maybe I will. Yeah. It's, just... it's the fourth of the series <laughs> Tetris 4 Return of the L. <laughs> Tetris three four way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tetris. I like the idea of the Tetris square, three four way.
1: Just like really, really throwing people <laughs> yeah. off the set. The name conventions really fuck up people's understanding of which ones to watch first. <laughs> Tetris two, the N lightning bolt shaped one.
0: No, that's you have to go two square too fast.
1: It's fair enough. Nice, well done um is it my turn now yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) i watched mando i think i'm caught up it's fine it's fine it's fine
2: do you also wish that they would go back to season one just like (sighs) standalone weekly stories of him just like doing stuff because i feel like in season one i didn't want that say that but now i i don't actually care about all the mythology that they're trying to force upon me i'm just like that's not what
1: i want out of I don't really care either, but I don't. I really hated season one, so I don't ever want to go back to that time. I didn't. How okay. much? What? How I,
0: much time
1: does he have his helmet off? Never. None. it's just literally his voice that's all a plot the time. point now. <laughs> it's just his voice. Now they're the making time. other people keep their helmets on. I think it's such a mess. Over the I'm course like, of just
2: give up this thing. Three and a half se- or two and a half seasons, you see Pedro Pascal's face for a grand total of like five minutes of screen time. Yeah. Why would you even Minimal. watch it? Because it's Star Wars? <laughs>
0: because yeah, I've already probably that. seen all of those clips on TikTok.
1: Um, there was a fun guest star recently that I was like, oh.
2: Also... Baby Yoda is the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh,
1: I can't roll my eyes hard enough. I you don't care. Do anything. He's just a fucking sack. I don't he care. Like He's so fucking cute. I don't care. Sliding around, gurgling. It's fine. You it's know what? He, he looks like a Furby, and it kind of freaks me out. Yeah, one hundred percent. He looks like a Furby. But like the, the cutest like Furby you've Remnants. ever
2: seen, like the He's cutest gizmo
1: you've ever seen. He needs more white around his eyes. He's All, like he is full perfect black. as is. You're wrong. I won't take any notes at this time. Uh, but I watched Mando. Uh, Keeping up with Succession, Obvi. Bless. Um, what else have I been... Oh, watched SNL, which this... uh Brunson Bronson episode, or Brunson episode. Uh, oh, she's from Abbott funny. Elementary? Yeah, it's a really good episode. Um, there's one sketch with Mikey Day yelling at her uh, and, like traffic, I'll send it to you guys later. It's very funny. Like among some of the funniest SNL sketches in recent memory. Uh it's exactly what I want out of SNL. Uh and then uh this is a a hint for next week's episode, but I saw a double feature at the new Beverly, Quinta Tarantino's Theatre. Uh oh
0: teed up very nicely.
1: It's, it's so nicely. Uh but I watched uh a two for of uh, two Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Uh, which I remember liking uh, the first time and did not care for it too much the second this time around. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It feels like it was written by straight people for straight people and (laughs) doesn't really know what drag is, it seems like. Uh, And just like the whole message is kind of frail. Uh, It's not great. And didn't get a lot of great critical reviews, but you know what did is the other movie that was in the double feature, a little movie called The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which will be our next episode
2: uh, in my
1: series of movies that I would go to at the film festival, if it was a film festival. Uh, And you'll have to hear my opinions then uh because i'm not going to tell you what i thought of it until we talk about it uh but until then i guess you could say i'm finished